Good morning, Vietnam. I always wanted to say that. Good morning, Vision for You. Welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You big book study. My name is Larry Kay, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Friday, June 29, 2018. Today we're reading from the big book, and we are currently on page 80, starting with the second paragraph. And we're going to read through three paragraphs this morning. So today's readers, we have Jody EQ on the 12 steps and Alexis H on the 12 traditions and the readers of the text. We have Jeanette S, Susan H, and Madeline R. The reference number for Thursday, June 28th, uh, for the 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time meeting, it's 11,596. That's 11596. And for the 10 a.m. meeting, 11,597, 11597. The OA preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive reading, and we welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. OA's uh, fifth tradition states that each group has but one primary purpose, and that is to carry its message to the compulsive reader who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating, they can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. So now, Jody EQ will read the um, 12 steps. Good morning, Jody. Good morning, Larry, and good morning, everybody. This is Jody EQ gratefully recovering in California. The 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. Number one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. 
Thanks for letting me be of service, and I pass. Thanks so much, Jody. Good morning, Alexis. Alexis, do we still have 12 um, traditions, or did they make any changes last night? I think we still have 12, I right? I last heard <laughs> there were 47. <laughs> good morning. Alexis H., good morning. In Michigan, these are the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for a group purpose, there is one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive reader who still suffers. Six, an OA group <clears throat> ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. I'm grateful for the opportunity to serve us, and I pass. Thanks so much, Alexis. Okay, here's what we shoot for in this meeting. Um, our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. So we'll read a paragraph or two from the literature, and then we stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Uh, singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. But there, there's no abstinence requirement if you want to share on the topic. So just jump on in. Uh, this meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked, however, to what was read. And we're sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. So if you want to share, press star one to unmute. And then once you're done, uh, just let us know by saying pass. Uh, then press star one to mute your phone again. In order to have a quiet meeting, we just ask that everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. So today we are back in the big book and we are currently on page 80, starting with the second paragraph and Jeanette S. is gonna read through three paragraphs. So good morning, Jeanette. Good morning, Larry, can you hear me? You're coming through loud and clear. Great, great. This brings to mind a story about one of our friends. While drinking, he accepted a sum of money from a bitterly hated business rival, giving him no receipt for it. 
He subsequently denied having received the money and used the incident as a basis for discrediting the man. He thus used his own wrongdoing as a means of destroying the reputation of another. In fact, his rival was ruined. He felt that he had done a wrong he could not possibly make right. If he opened that old affair, he was afraid it would destroy the reputation of his partner, disgrace his family, and take away his means of livelihood. What right had he to involve these dependent upon him, those dependent upon him? How could he possibly make a public statement exonerating his rival? After consulting with his wife and partner, he came to the conclusion that it was better to take those risks than to stand before his creator guilty of such ruinous slander. He saw that he had had to place the outcome in God's hands or he would soon start drinking again and all would be lost anyhow. He attended church for the first time in many years. After the sermon, he quietly got up and made an explanation. His action met widespread approval, and today he is one of the most trusted citizens of his town. All all this had happened years ago. I'm Jeanette, uh, recovered compulsive overeater in Maybrook, New York. Um, So this reading is an example of the prior um, paragraph that says that we are to consult with others first, asking their permission, you know, if it affects other people, and ask God to help and take the step. Um, I have no example of this in my own life. Um, this is this is a drastic step. Um, but but what this brought to to me was what this means to me is that I'm not in this alone. I'm not in this life alone. My actions affect other people. I always thought they did not affect other people. Who was I? I had no effect on anything on anybody. But what I do does affect other people. And it also brought to mind um, my my the question, is this a friendly universe? You know, am I going to trust in a higher power, trust that everything's going to come out okay or not? You know, it's like, in the book prior, it said, "God is, or is God everything, or is He nothing?" Um, that's what this brings to my mind. And so, at this point in my process of <clears throat> the twelve steps, I have come to believe um, that a power greater than myself can restore me to sanity. And this is this is evidence would be evidence of that belief um, that I can trust in the best thing happening. And even if that best thing is uh, for me to go to jail or, you know, whatever an extreme response would be to this, I just have to know and believe that it's, it's the right thing. Because if I pick up, if I'm going to pick up my food, my drug of choice, my heroin, um, I'm going to be 
in the shithole anyway. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to be worth anything anyway. So I might as well at least, you know, be in jail with a clean conscience um, rather than be in jail in my food with a guilty conscience. Um, So it's all about cleaning up my past, cleaning up so I can live live my future, my life in in a um in an honorable way, in an esteemable way. Esteemable you know, doing the esteemable acts creates a good self esteem. Um, so this you know, this to me is just about the trusting in that all the all the all will come to be what it's supposed to be if I do the right right thing, the next right step. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Jeanette. Okay, we're going to transition to uh, to our, our sharing portion here. And again, we're on page 80. And Jeanette read, started with the second paragraph, and she read through three paragraphs, commenting on all three. So who would like to share? Kathy. I'm sorry, did I hear Kathy? Yes, Tenzin P. And Tenzin? Who else? Harlan G. I know that guy. Anybody else? Katie F. Katie. And maybe one or two more? Okay, well. Tell you what, we'll start with uh, Kathy, Tenzin, Harlan, and Katie. And if everyone other than Kathy would just make sure that your phone is muted, that would be terrific. So, Kathy, good morning. Good morning, Larry. Good morning, everyone. It's Kathy G. from Illinois. Uh, grateful to be here today. Grateful to be recovered today. Uh, and thanks, Jeanette, for starting us off this morning. Um, kind of a difficult uh, few paragraphs in the big book here, you know, it. When I read something like this, when I was first going through the steps, I, you know, it can bring up fear of, oh my gosh, what am I going to do about this? Or what am I going to do about that? Because although, um, you know, like our reader, I I haven't had this exact experience, but God knows I've had experiences that are um, equally, that were equally as harmful to other people. So uh, I think I'd also like to let people know that are new that you don't have to get overwhelmed by this because I think key from the point too is that we have people to talk to before we would make an amend and my sponsor and I went through every name on the list and we decided whether or not it would be appropriate or be harmful to that person for me to make the amend because this is to make my wrongs right And this is not to, you know, make myself feel puffed up or aren't I a great gal because I'm apologizing to you, even though you did, you know, X, Y, and Z to me. It's not about that. It's about keeping my side of the street clean and making sure to the best of my ability that I am not harming anyone in the process of the amend. So... I would just uh, encourage newcomers, you know, to keep going, to don't be afraid because we don't have to do this alone. 
And if something else comes up, you know, that I question, the great thing for me about recovery in this program is that now I have all these people on the line and in meetings that I can call to get uh, some wise counsel from. So that's all I have this morning. Thanks so much, Larry. Pass. Thanks so much, Kathy. Okay, we have Tenzin followed by Harlan. Tenzin, good morning. Good morning, and good morning, everyone. Uh, yes, this this is um, a, a challenging uh, few paragraphs to me. You know, I noticed that it, you know, it brings up a little bit of what I'm calling healthy fear. You know, there's uh, right at, at the end of those paragraphs that we just read, he had to place the outcome in God's hands or he would soon drink again and all would be lost anyhow. To me, that's really a um, great reminder that, you know, each step of the way in these steps, I have a choice. And um, the healthy fear is, well, I'm, I might be anxious about exactly how this particular uh, amend is going to turn out, but I'm not willing to go back to the alcoholic pit, you know, the pit of what it is for me with my uh, eating disorders and my food addiction. And then a couple of paragraphs back, we must not shrink at anything. We must lose our fear of creditors no matter how far we have to go, for we are liable to drink if we are afraid to face them. So I appreciate that one. Uh, uh, the previous um, uh, uh, person reminded us that there's eight steps that we've gone through before we come to step nine and and really uh, you know, developing a relationship with a power greater than myself is so important here. So I'm putting healthy fear next to the trust that I have been building, you know, with higher power and with the help of so many other recovered people in this program. So um, I am in deep in my ninth step. And, you know, there are many ways that I have experienced healing and I look into the eyes of the people who I speak with and, and I see healing also. I have not had the experience yet of, of someone slamming the door in my face. Um, well, that's not exactly true. There have been a couple of people who are not willing to uh, speak with me. So, all right, uh, that's where it is. I'm going to be respectful, but contact them when my sponsor feels like it's right to try again. Um, but, um, this is for me where the rubber is really meeting the road in my ninth step. So I'm just so grateful and for all of you on the line and for all the work we're doing and for the big book. Thank you so much. Thanks, Tencent. Hey, Harlan, are you running any marathons yet? <laughs> Thank you, Larry. <laughs> not yet? I'm here. I'm here. I'm sorry. Not yet what? I'm sorry. Are you running any marathons yet? Not yet. Oh no, my marathon is running from the living room to the bathroom. That's about enough of a marathon for me. That's <laughs> yeah. Yesterday they took my walker away in the house, so now I've got to use a cane, and it's like a new adventure in uh, terror. Anyway, <laughs> thank you, Larry. I'm Harlan G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Scottsdale, Arizona. What must I do to recover? That's a question. What must I do? 
I must do whatever God puts in front of me. I must do whatever it takes. I have a disease of the mind and a disease of the body that only a spiritual experience will conquer. I have a disease of the mind and a disease of the body that only working these steps out of this book is going to alleviate any type of recovery at all. If I'm going to have a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, then I must appreciate where we come from. We come from the Oxford group. And in the Oxford group, Sam Shoemaker, who was the Episcopalian minister at the Cavalry Mission in New York City, taught the boys that there were four impediments to God. What's an impediment? An impediment is something which slows or stops progress. And the four impediments to God that I face as a human Number one, a resentment that I will not let go of, step four. Number two, a secret I will not tell, step five. Number three, a vicarious thrill, lying, cheating, gossiping, stealing, that I will not stop, step six and seven. And a restitution that I will not make, step eight and nine. What must I do to recover? Whatever it takes. And I must ask myself something from time to time, and I have a sponsor that will ask me this as well. Is there anything you're not willing to do to recover? Because if there is, then we've got a problem. I have a program which demands rigorous honesty. Honesty about what? Honesty about the fact that I have an illness of the mind and an illness of the body and only complete surrender only complete surrender will point me in the direction that I'm required to go. There must be no hesitation on my part at all whatsoever. I must do what it takes. Certainly I need a sponsor. Certainly I need one to bounce things off of because a solitary self-appraisal proved insufficient. But once we've established that this is an amends that must be made, I must get to it as quickly as I can. Because this is standing in the way of my recovery. And I'm going to be darned if anything's going to stand in the way now of my recovery. And with that, I will pass. Thank you. Thanks, Harlan. Okay, one of my favorite Katie's, Katie F. Good morning. Good morning. This is Katie F., a recovered compulsive overeater in Virginia. And thank you, everyone, for your service today. And this, um, these paragraphs just always remind me of an experience I had, um, you know, and it's not something that happened when I first got um, abstinent and first went through this steps, through these steps. It was when I'd been abstinent for 15 years. So it was 15 years ago, but 15 years in, I made a big blunder and I agreed to cover up something at work um, to make it easier so that we wouldn't, um, you know, possibly get into trouble with the boss. And I did, I, you know, the amazing part is that I did this deceptive thing um, at my coworker's suggestion, you know, so we are not um, cured of, of these things just because we go through this process one time and then we go on and we live our next 40, 50, 60 years of life 
that doesn't mean that things aren't going to crop up. And so what happened, thank you, God, is after a couple of hours of having done this um, deceptive thing, I, I didn't feel right about it. And my um, <clears throat> confessing it to my boss had to implicate the other people that were involved. And, you know, I, I, did, I did that because I knew that, um, that it just wasn't right to uh, be deceptive anymore in my life, that I can't, I don't live that way anymore. Even though I can, you know, be wandering down the road, walking along, doing my part, doing my job, being abstinent, you know, having sponsees, going to meetings, doing everything I'm supposed to be doing. And then all of a sudden, you know, there's this, um, this situation and I can get lured in just like the next person. Um, but, you know, thank you, God, because of this program, I have a conscience today. And I didn't, I didn't do, you know, I didn't follow through with it. And it, it, it did make things uncomfortable with that coworker, you know, for about a half a day. And then she got over it. But I just think of where would I be today, 15 years later, had I gone along with that deception and just kept being deceptive. Because at that point, I was newly back at my job and newly um, reestablishing my uh, position there. And, you know, I just shudder to think of what would have happened had I, had I continued with that lie. But the outcome and the feeling and the ability, the thing that comes up every time as we're reading through this um, section is the ability to look the world in the eye. And I can do that every day. And I'm very grateful. With that, I'll pass. Thanks, Katie. Okay, we're going to open it up to more shares. Um, who would like to... To share. Katie G from Boston. Katie. Hmm. Who else? Hi, this is Roz G. What page are you on? Hey, Roz. Um, we are on page 80, starting with the second paragraph, and we read through three paragraphs. Okay, I'll share after Katie. Okay, great. Anybody else? Susan H. in Ohio. Susan. Lori W. in Atlanta, Georgia. Lori. Okay. Well, there's a group. There's a group. Anybody else before we move on? Melissa C. And Melissa. Okay. Well, let's go with that. Let's. So we have Katie G. followed by Roz. Hey, Katie. Good morning. Larry, it's Katie. Did you say my name? Katie, I did. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I only have one hand. Would you time me, Larry? Right. I only have one hand. Okay. I don't time anybody. We're on the honor system. Go, Katie. Oh, go. No. All right, tell me to shut up when it's time, though, please. Um, okay. Shut so up, Katie. One of the no, I'm things I'm done. I passed. One of the things that I was taught in Bill's story is to ask myself, how did I think like Bill? How did I feel like Bill? And how did I act like Bill? So when I'm reading this, you know, no, I don't have this exact experience. But do I have the experience of discrediting other people? Do I have this experience of trying to destroy the reputation of another? Yeah, yeah. When my resentment gets the best of me, do I gossip? Do I slander? Mm-hmm, absolutely. And, um, 
you know, when I, when I think about gossiping, you know, for a long time I thought, well, there's nothing I can do about it. There's not, there, you know, I don't want to implicate the other person. <clears throat> but yet I kept doing it over and over and over again. In recovery, in abstinence, as a recovered woman. And what has come clear to me is that it is better to take the risk to, than to, and to stand before my creator guilty of such ruinous slander. I have to place the outcome in God's hand or, or I will start eating again and all would be lost anyhow. So my willingness to show up and say, you know what, I am trying to work on my gossiping and I feel nasty about what I said yesterday and that had nothing to do with you and I was wrong and I truly regret what I said and I'm really working on this. Um, like if I'm truly grounded in my step one powerlessness, for me to eat is to die a spiritual death, right? It may not be an immediate death, but I'm going to die. And so if I'm really grounded in step one, section A powerlessness, making these amends is a privilege. And yeah, is it uncomfortable? Mm-hmm. Well, welcome to life. This isn't feel good anonymous. As one of my first sponsors taught me, I have to practice the willingness to be uncomfortable. You don't think you think it's comfortable when I've <clears throat> told my husband lies and to say to him, I lied. And then he says, I'm disappointed in you. Yeah, well, you know what? I lived. And you know what? When I go to talk to him now, do you think I lie? God willing, no. Because I remember how freaking uncomfortable it is. So I just, you know, these are stories that, that took place in specific people's lives, but it really helps me to consider thematically how, how am I acting? And also, you know, um, how, how free do I want to be? How in touch am I? Because for me, the craziest thing I ever did in a period of abstinence was to pick up the food. And the pain of eating and binging and starving and losing my life is so much greater than any pain of showing up and saying, this is who I am, I made a mistake, I was wrong. And please God, help me stay there. And with that, I pass. Katie, you made it with 10 minutes to spare, perfect. All right, we have next uh, Roz followed by Susan. Hey Roz, good morning. Hi Larry, good morning. This is Roz G in Los Angeles, recovered compulsive overeater. And, um, this reminds me of a couple of stories, and one of them is um, I uh, I hid uh, some money from the uh, l the welfare department when I was um, married, um, quite a big sum, because I was afraid that um, you know they were going to take it from me. I, I I had lived in poverty for so long, and I my ex husband used to take my money from me, and I hid this money and. Um, you know, you're supposed to report all your income to them. And um, it finally came up that the, the fraud department, you know, kindly, ca you know, caught up with me. And um, I was afraid that I was going to get arrested. My kids were small and all this kind of stuff. But um, I had to go and wrong that right. And um, I went and told them the truth, um, why, I, you know, I hid it from them. And um, I'm not the same person today. And I didn't quite understand um, uh, what it, you know, what all these amends were about because it, I was newer in recovery. But it turned out that they, um, you know, 
they forgave me and they never brought up the subject again. It's, it's a longer story than that, but that, you know, you know God really did um, take care of me in that situation. And um, just this recent one was, um, you know, I was angry at 20 people at work. I, I had just done it this fifth, the fifth step, realizing that I didn't really, you know, do the 10th step thoroughly. And I let anger and resentment build up with 20 people on my job. I'd go to work being mad at 20 people every day. But anyway, I wasn't, you know, I had to look at my part and I was a bit the B word sometimes to some people because they weren't doing it my way. And, you know, I made their job harder. And so I had to go up to them, too, specifically, and say to them, you know, I am very sorry that I have made your job harder because of my my bad attitude. And I I was, they were both so grateful to, 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 to hear me apologize to them. One of them said this was really needed. And um, I just, it, it, it's over. And I... As I've heard a couple of shares, I'm able to look these people in the eye. I'm able to 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 stay, you know, abstinent with God's help. I have a clear head again, and and the smile on my face, and more things coming up in my life. It's 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 not um, narrowly we roll along. It's it's trudging, you know. As uh, I heard somebody say in a meeting last night, so I'm very grateful that I don't have to eat today, and that um, that. God has given me the ability to uh, look at what I've done, look at my part, and ask for forgiveness or whatever I need to do to wrong, right the wrong. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thanks, Roz. Okay, we have Susan followed by Lori. Hey, Susan, good morning. Good morning. Can you hear me, Larry? I can. Okay. This is Susan H., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Ohio. And these three paragraphs, to me, are just another good illustration of cleaning up our side of the street. Um, it was it was careful deliberation. It was considering. I imagine that there was some advice given on this. Um, this honesty is so scary. But what I focus on and what is highlighted in my book is the fact that he saw what he had he saw that he had to place the outcome in God's hands or he would soon start drinking again and all would be lost anyhow. That's that's a very sobering bottom line. Um, so then it became a matter of stepping out in faith and trust. There's That's the action. And uh, I found that so often. I've got to step out in faith, even though I'm scared. (laughs) And I'm sure that's going to happen again because it seems to come up again and again. So stepping out in faith and trust in our higher power and then acceptance. Always, always acceptance is the answer to all my problems today. So I was glad to review this. Uh, The words didn't immediately come up, but what I, my my, to me, my major lesson in this is he saw that he had to place the outcome in God's hands or he would soon start drinking again and all would be lost anyhow. I never want that to happen. I never want to go back to compulsive eating. And I am so grateful for the reprieve I've been given for today. 
So um, I will pass. Thank you. Thanks so much. Okay, we have uh, Lori followed by Melissa. Lori, good morning. Good morning, good morning. Thank you so much for your service. This is Lori W. in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm happy to be on the line this morning with all my spiritual siblings. Um, doing this cleanup work, uh, there's good news. By now, we've been abstinent. We've been sober. We've been doing some work. And our minds are clearer at this point in the game. And so while our courage is just starting to rise again after all the um, ego deflation work that we've been, we've been doing, at this point, it pivots. We pivot into our courage uh, being born again. And um, I had an amends to make um, again. I've been in programs since like 2002, in and out. Um, but I needed to make an amends to my parents. We had a big falling out last year in April, and we had not really spoken since then. Um, I come from a family that we fight, 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 and then, you know, we get in front of everybody and they say, cheese, and we look like just the quintessential family and just so perfect. Y'all would just want to be a part of our family. And then as soon as the, the eyes are off of us, we're back at each other's throats. So we had a big falling out, and I was so ugly to my father. Um, in front of some other family members, and we just, I mean, it was war. And so um, I had not been to their home. They lived 20 minutes from me. I had not been to their home. I had not talked to them uh, barely in over a year. And um, they celebrated their 50th anniversary in November, and, of course, we went and we smiled pretty. We, My sister and I threw them a, a party. We had about 400 guests, and we smiled pretty, and we looked perfect. And then after that, I took off and didn't speak to him, didn't spend the holidays with him or anything. And I needed to make amends. I was talking to my sponsor about it. I was talking to a friend of mine. Um, and, you know, I was kind of just telling him about my life and, you know, getting to know him and, and sharing. And he just listened to all my stuff. And finally, he just said, I said, did, you, did I scare you off? And he said, no. He said, but you're a mess, girl. You're just a mess. You need to do something about that. So I prayed about it. And I had not been ready to go and make amends to my family about this, but the courage came to me, and the time came, and I had no anxiety, no worry, no stress, and I called my parents, and I said, hey, I need to talk to you guys, and um, I knew they were going to be leaving the country, and I wanted to talk to them before then, and so um, I went over, and it was just lovely, and I had peace, and I said, y'all, I've been a mess. I was a terrible, terrible child to raise, and I was challenging as, as a teenager, and I just went through, and I owned my mess, and they were so happy. My dad, who never cries, was all teary and jumped up, and he's not an affectionate person. He hugged and kissed me and embraced me, and every time I've seen them since then, I spent Father's Day with them at the farm, and we just, we have had a different relationship. And the love is there and the respect and the appreciation that they have for me. I mean, I have it for them, but they have it for me and all that I have done. It's just amazing. So the, the reparations that we have to make, it somehow soothes and, and makes everything good. It may not make it perfect. It may not make it right again, but it makes it good. And it's worth the work. It's worth the risk. And so if you're there, if you're here, if you're building up to this point, stick in there, hang in there, because it's going to be better, regardless of how the outcome is. If you do your work and you take care of your side of the street, 
it's going to be a, a clean sweep. It's going to be a clean walk, and you're going to enjoy the rest of your journey. And with that, I pass. Thanks so much, Lori. Okay, we have Melissa, and then we're going to open up to more sharing. Hey, Melissa, only like 45 more days till school starts. Woohoo! Morning. That's mean. <laughs> uh, it's Melissa C. Recovered Compulsive Overeater, and it's only my second day of vacation, so it's all <laughs> in front of me. Thank you. Um, yeah, so, you know, what I got from this is um, place the outcomes in God's hands, um, or I'm going to return to eating. Like, if I focus on outcomes, if I focus on future, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to eat again. It's too awesome a responsibility for me to live outside of now. You know, I can make plans, but I have to kind of wear those plans loosely, and, and God is in charge of outcomes, especially when it comes to this process. You know, how things all unwind and turn out, it's not my concern, you know, because if I focus on it, I'm overwhelmed. You know, and then I'm in complete selfishness. I'm in ego. I'm script writing. I'm planning. Um, you know, I, I'm like living futuristic. Um, and this is where, you know, this is where I can employ some, some mental willpower. Because my, my mind tends to naturally go to figuring it out, to thinking, okay, if I do this, then this is going to happen, then this is going to happen. And I have runaway thoughts. You know, I live... I live in that fantasy, and that can um, paralyze me from, from taking the right action. You know, and my amends are not so I get my way. You know, it's not so that I get results that are favorable. Like, I think about how, how that relates to food plan, how that relates to abstinence and diet mentality. I used to eat a certain way, so I got a certain result. And, um, you know, it's clear here. My purpose is to grow in usefulness and effectiveness. And, um, you know, and what also strikes me from this is, like, if you think the age of miracles are a thing of the past, um, you're sadly mistaken or really happily mistaken because we see incredible miracles. Someone who has done, you know, um, embarrassing, awful things, myself included, we become transformed, and we can um, – I can own those things. I can make amends for those. Um, and then I become somebody trusted. You know, there was a time when people in my life, they couldn't trust me. You know, they kept hard news from me. When my dad was dying, my mother kept it from me initially because she was afraid of my overly emotional, melodramatic way. And um, that's not useful, you know. And today, I'm, I'm somebody that um, I'm worthy of, of being trusted. I can actually be helpful to people. Um, thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thanks, Melissa. So if you just fell out of bed, we're on page 80, uh, the second paragraph. We read through three paragraphs. Who else would like to share on what was read? Leslie. Leslie Debbie. Le hey, Leslie. Who else? Blanca BG. Blanca. Okay. Yes. Thank you. And maybe one other? This is John M. in Chicago. 
John. Hey, John. Okay. Hey. Let's go with, uh, uh, let's start with Leslie and then uh, Blanca. Leslie, good morning. Good morning, Larry. Thank you for your service. Um, my name is Leslie. I'm a covered house of ever eater in Tennessee. Um, you know, after listening to this, this morning, I, you know, I have some revelations to make. I have some <clears throat> amends to make, actually, to this meeting, because you know what? I've been listening for over two years and just taking all the recovery, taking, taking, taking. And I have given service as well, but something that just came up for me is the fact that up until a couple of weeks ago, I had never donated to this meeting. <laughs> I mean, how can that be? I mean, this meeting was the turning point of my recovery. I struggled for five years in the room of Overeaters Anonymous until I found this meeting, and it literally changed my life. I owe so much, and so I set up a recurring donation because, for me, it's important that I give back not just by service, but also monetarily, um, whatever I can. And I realized that, um, you know, for me, that that's something that I just forget. You know, I, I, it's easy for me to whip out a couple of dollars when I'm in a face-to-face -face meeting and the basket's being passed around. But, you know, at a phone meeting, I don't think about it. But it is important for me to make those reparations and, get, and to give back monetarily whatever I can to support this amazing program. And um, that's all I have to say. Thank you so much, and I pass. Thanks, Leslie. Leah's routing number is, no, I'm kidding. Okay, um, we have Blanca followed by John. Hey, Blanca, good morning. Good morning, can I be heard? You can. Good morning. Good morning. Um, I am new to these morning meetings. I've been listening now for about six months, and they've just had a tremendous change in my life. Um, I haven't spoken until now because it's been difficult, but with so much, all the courage that I hear everyone else talking about things that I know have to be difficult and takes courage, and I know that it's part of my recovery. So. Um, thank you so much for to all of you, and thank you, Larry. It's very nice to meet you for the first time. I um I am uh, in the middle of trying to uh, put together back together broken pieces of of so many relationships uh, that came from my being uh, <clears throat> indulging in dishonesty and gossip and. Uh, uh, I just want to start out by saying I I learned at a very young age that. Uh, lying was a way to protect myself. I, I had to, to lie just to survive. You know, I, uh, telling the truth would often lead to physical harm. So I learned at a very young age, tell the truth until it means it's go you're going to be hurt. And as a child, it was, it was physical. As an adult, it was emotionally. If I, I couldn't tell the truth about things that I felt would destroy me emotionally. And I was on a very thin, thin string to begin with, psychologically. But um, it worked as a child. It served me well. Um, <clears throat> lying, because as I said, it protected me, but it caused 
just havoc in my adult life. Um, lying just, uh, it hurt so many people and, and made my life unmanageable to the point where I, thank God, found OA. However, there was a lot of work to be done. Um, I Today I am uh, trying, uh, I am working very hard trying to live an integrous life, uh, the life that I know um, my higher power would have me live. It's progress, not perfection. I am a, I am a work in progress, to be sure. But uh, the good news is that um, a lot of people have passed. I was not able, have not been able to make my amends, <clears throat> but I've done other things to try to, to um, <clears throat> repair what happened and and uh, but with those that are still alive, I'm I am working on that, including my son. I I found out through talking to my son that my my lying to him and things that I did that I thought I was hiding from him, he knew it all. You know, children know these; they know. You know, we think they don't, but they do. And I hurt him in so many ways. And he's in therapy now. And uh, he told me, he said, Mom, you know. Uh, so many things that that have happened to me, you know, were a result of you're not being honest to me, and it, it was it broke my heart. But I, I made my amend to him. I apologized, and I said, I promise you, I will, I will work, spend the rest of my life, uh, uh, um, being being honest to you and truthful, and trying and repairing uh, our relationship because I I want an honest relationship with you and now I have a, a grandchild and another one on the way and I am determined to start my life with them in integrity and honesty no matter what so I continue to uh, to work on this and will continue to do that so that I may have a loving relationship with my family for the rest of my life and thank you so much for all of your shares because it gives me strength and courage to know that I, if I keep at it and I keep coming back, that I will reach that happy road of destiny and uh, be able to experience a true and integrous life for the rest of my life. And on that, I will pass. Thank you. Thanks, Blanca. Next, we have Juan. Hey, Juan from Chicago. What's up, John? Hey, how you doing, Larry? Thanks for your service, and uh, thanks to everybody that read. Um, I'm John, a compulsive reader from Chicago, and um, like the two previous callers, I am. This is the first time I've had the opportunity to share on a vision for you, and uh, I'm grateful to be here. Um, <clears throat> I too, you know, as it was just said, that uh, I've been kind of stealing from this meeting a little bit too for a while, and uh, have been uh, struggling to get my voice heard here a little bit. I um. You know, as I listen to these steps, um, and being a person who's been around program for a long time, um, although this is the first time I've really, really been abstinent from food and, and, and really working the steps in that regard, I've had to kind of relearn them. And, uh, you know, uh, being young when I got uh, clean and sober, if you will, from drugs and alcohol, uh, amends and, and, and stuff like that really probably wasn't as deep as they are now. And, and my big thing was probably lying back then. That was probably the biggest effect on my personal affairs back then. But now, having been in the food for so many years, and, and, and uh, let's just say I've collected a treasure trove of um, 
misdeeds and misfortunes, and uh, I've really had to uh, start to inventory that and really understand what it means to, um, I should say, understand the effects it's made on my life. Um, I'm just starting to see that. And it's hard to see, actually. Um, I'm understanding more and more when, you know, people talk about how uh, they need to talk to their sponsors. They really need to get the advice before they walk through these things because uh, my first inclination is to want to call people and make amends. You know, I'm abstinent now. I'm all this. And I want to, you know, I want to immediately make these things right because I want to do it for me because I want to feel better. Uh, I'm realizing that uh, that isn't really what it's all about. And uh, that's kind of hard to hear, too. You know, I, I um, you know, I want people to see what I'm doing and I want people to see, hey, I'm changing. And But, uh, you know, there's a process to this that I got to follow and I need to let God work through me in that regard. Um, I understand that. I just don't like it. I would really much rather do it my way. But on the same token, I do it my way has got me to where I'm at today. So um, I'm going to opt out of that. <laughs> But, uh, you know, if I'm being honest, though, it's just there's those, those personal uh, nature wants to drive me to other things. But I am working with a sponsor. I am working on a fourth and fifth right now. And um, I'm just looking forward to getting through those things so I can get on to the later steps. And I'm just grateful to be here. That's all I got today. Thanks. Thanks so much, John. Who wants, uh, who wants a couple minutes? Bueller? Anyone? This is Nancy. I'll take it. Okay, Nancy, you take us out. Hi, this is Nancy H. from Massachusetts, a grateful, recovered, compulsive overreader. Um, this really hits a bell because I had one almost as serious, as actually more serious than this. And um, the amend that I, I was, I kept saying, I don't know how I'm going to do that. I could go to jail. I'm not going to be able to do that. And my sponsor said, well, what step are you on? I said, well, three. She said, well, by the time you get to eight and nine, you may be ready. So... I put, I made out my cards with my sponsor and read them to her and got, you know, ready to go. And the first one was the hardest. And I said, I'm not going to do it. It was one of those that I didn't think I'd ever do, but I decided to get it over with. So I called this agency and I told them exactly what I had done. And they said, um, I said, I'd like to know how much I owe you. And the gentleman said, well, I can't tell you that. And I said, well, I needed to have a figure. Um, no, I can't tell you that unless you put this in probate court and then, you know, we'll deal with it then. So I had finally in that afternoon, after making four phone calls, I had sat with God and I had said, you want the whole amount of money to go to them? Then I, I'm willing. And I just cried my head off. So that night I, I was getting ready to put it in probate court and it had already been four years. And someone from a program who's also had experience with this called me and said, you're going to do more harm to yourself and others if you if you don't you know if you do this. And she said, I know that they're what they're trying to do. And she said, as far as I'm concerned, you've made an attempt to make your amends, and now what you need to do is donate a certain amount of money to an agency that works with the elderly. So that's what I did. I came up with an amount of money with God, and it was quite a bit. And I went to the agency and I told them exactly what I had done. And I also gave them the money, and they were floored. So um, I, I know there's a way that willingness comes as you get to the step. And that's, with that, I'll pass. Thanks so much, Nancy, for closing us out. Awesome. 
Hey, thanks to everyone who has shared um, and, and joined us this morning. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following the closing. We're now going to close with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the Serenity Prayer. And Susan H., are you available to read that? I am. Um, Good this morning. is Susan H. in Ohio. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.